Hi, I'm Robert McGinnis. I'm the driver of the number nine Palto Network Synchros Racing for Mazda car. And welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. show and you know after being gone for two weeks having Singapore in the middle of us being gone with the amount of news that happened this past week you'd think it was the middle of the summer break it was, it was a really slow week wasn't it yeah it was really weird but before we get to that we have actual results from the Singapore Grand Prix for the fantasy GP so let's go ahead and, and, and share those F1 returned to humid Singapore, where the streets do have a name, but Ferrari still hasn't found what it's looking for. Last week, Phil's Team Rocket won the week with a big 168 points. Michael's Mach 5 Racing was in second with 116 points. Agro's Puppet Racing was third with 114 points. Patricia's The Bird Team struggled into fourth on 102 points, closely followed by the boys' Moonlit Black Cats team with 101 points, and Richard's Fly Fast Team with just 95 points. In the overall standings, Phil's Team Rocket takes the lead with 1,897 points, with Patricia's The Bird Team falling back on 1,881 points. Michael remains in third on 1,801 points. The rest of the standings are unchanged as Agro's Puppet Racing holds onto fourth with 1,780 points and a commanding lead over the boy with 1,556 points and Richard's Fly Fast Team on 1,504 points. You can still test your predictions against ours every week by going to fantasygp.com and entering the league code 1483141. So it sounds like Phil got what he was looking for. There you go. <laughs> Which is <laughs> to knock me off of my long run at first. Yeah, and he uh, opened up a bit of a lead last week. He trounced me soundly. I had a rough, rough Singapore. Um, I never would have expected Mercedes that was historically bad at that track to pull off the win. And needless to say, I never expected Hamilton to have pull. Yeah. <laughs> that that oh. caught me out too. I you know I even lost the safety car count. I knew it was guaranteed that we'd have a safety car, but I predicted that we'd have two. See, I stayed with one. I, I debated it and I stayed with one. Yep. I, I knew it was a guarantee. I went with two. I also thought we wouldn't have as many people finish the race because it's I mean it's a hard hard race. I figured there'd be some lap one incident that would take more than two people out. <laughs> Well, amazingly enough, though, and, and this is one of those odd rarities that happened this year, but this was like the first Singapore Grand Prix in quite a while that nobody was looking at grid penalties, mm -hmm. which was very unusual. Well, there was that. I was also amazed that we didn't have man walking on 
track <laughs> or dinosaur walking on track. Yeah, no Godzilla or anything like that. I mean, all in all, it was a very boring Grand Prix. It was. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about what happened in a bit. Um, first, actually, we have some fairly big news for those of you who are in the UK or just kind of prefer the Channel 4 coverage. Okay. Now, admittedly, in the U.S., our coverage has gotten much better with— Because the, we're streaming Sky's coverage. Sky coverage commercial-free, although I'm sorry, but Martin Brundle's gridwalk is— Bad. As much as I like Martin Brundle's commentary, his gridwalk is not great. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just don't get any better than— David Cothard and David Cothard and Mark Webber together on a gridwalk. The combination of the snark. Uh, the combination of the snark is hysterical. So the good news, though, is that we were all set at the end of this year to lose uh, the Channel 4 coverage. You know, the, the way the deal is for those who aren't familiar in the rest of the world, but in the UK, the way the broadcasting deal works is Sky TV, which is a pay service, has rights to broadcast the entire races plus pre-race post-race pre and qualifying pre-qualifying post-qualifying um live um now no commercial interruptions during the races no commercial interruptions during the qualifying sessions but they can have commercials elsewhere um Sky, a couple of years ago, picked up the BBC's contract to allow them to carry about half of the races live. Channel 4 or, picked. Excuse me, Sky. Or, I don't know why I keep doing that. Channel 4, you're right. Channel 4 picked up the contract from BBC to carry at least half the races live and a similar type deal. No commercials during the race while they carry it live and pre- and post-race coverage plus some qualifying and practices and, and things of that nature. Now, when they stream it, and when you catch it off of the the Channel 4 app, if you're capable of doing that, they do put commercials in, but they pause the race. You don't actually miss anything. Well, there is a deal that has been reached for 2019 only, at least, that allows Channel 4 to carry the highlights, so the races that they don't have live, which is what they've been doing now. But now all of the races, they will carry highlights for 19. So it's about two hours of coverage per race, which is still pretty decent. But, you know, they cut out the lapping behind the safety car and and some of the other non-eventful laps. But you still get the vast majority of the race. You get it commercial-free and pre- and post-race analysis, with the exception of the British Grand Prix, which they will be carrying live. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, when they do edit down the race, you easily can jump from lap seven to lap twenty-seven. Um, yeah, and and they, but they, what's impressive is that they do it so smoothly. Yeah, you that never you don't notice. know. It's not like they throw in transitions between them. It just all of a sudden you look up and go, "Wait a minute, ten laps are gone." Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember us going through ten laps, but yeah. So. Good news if if you prefer the Channel Four coverage, it is not completely going away. Although this appears to just be a one year deal, we'll see what happens beyond that. So David David Cothart appears to still have a job for another year. Well, as long as we can keep him in tight pants, that's all that we really <laughs> care about, right? I not on my priority list, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, more news from Formula One and the FIA. They are planning at least seven fan festival events for 2019. 
So we've already had one in Shanghai, in Marseille, and Milan. Um, there will be one in Miami next month. Um, and there's expect oh there was supposed to be one in Berlin for the German Grand Prix this year but that was canceled. Okay. So we don't have locations just yet as to where they're going to be, but Formula One is realizing that the fans kind of dig these things. That's awesome. So now the next bit of news, I'm not sure I, I'm, I'm fully in support of, and actually I kind of find myself. In one of those few situations where I'm in agreement with Bernie Eccleston's position. I can't know you anymore. Um, actually, when you hear the story, you may be the same way. All right, let's hear this to see how you could turn so violently wrong. So Sean Bratches announced this week that the um, Formula One group has completed a deal with inter Interregional Sports Group, that's the name of the company, to produce an F1 betting offering that will work with data taken directly from the track on race weekends. So to translate, they have signed a deal that will allow in the coming years racing or, or betting on races, potentially of individual events within a race. Now, this is something that Bernie Eccleston says that he was approached multiple times about and most recently looked at it about two years before the sale and turned it down and turned it down every single time. Um, and he acknowledges that there is a potential for the series to make a significant amount of money off of betting schemes. And he has turned it down because he was concerned about the potential impact on the sport, the sporting and reputation for the series. And I kind of agree with Bernie on this. I'm not really sure that I'm into betting being introduced around Formula One. Well, okay, let's level set for a second. Mm -hmm. Betting has always been introduced around Formula One. There are, there are betting houses that are taking yes. bets on every aspect that can be done on a race weekend. But for Formula One to be a participant in It's whether or not Formula One should be a participant in it. And here's my question, and these are things I don't know, is to what extent in other sports are the sporting bodies or the promotional bodies involved in this betting for those sports? And it's something I don't know. Yeah. If this is a holdout that every other group is doing this type of thing, then I think that Bernie walked away from money that is probably reasonable. But um, if Formula One is the only one that's doing it, then I think that Bernie may be correct. So it, to me, it's a, it's a matter of what is, what is the marketplace really holding here? Yeah. And I just don't, I don't know because I don't know enough about it. Now, if you were to ask me, do I agree that we should be introducing so much data into the betting process since I'm very opposed to the betting process to begin with I'm I'm opposed to that on the surface but I don't know what I if this is a revenue stream and other sporting bodies are doing the same thing I I find less issue with it yeah I I'm a little – and I know that that there is – you know, the, the UK has a lot of heavily promoted sports books and several other countries. They're doing betting around 
all kinds of sports events, including auto racing. But, but I keep going back to the, you know, what's to stop, especially, say, in a heated year like this year, for a fan of a rival team to walk up to a mechanic and offer them three suitcases full of money in exchange for flubbing a pit stop should Mercedes be winning. And my question it's is... It's that Pete Rose syndrome that concerns me. Yeah, but my question is... There's nothing stopping that from happening today. Yeah. And if you don't believe that there's money riding on Lewis winning the championship or Vettel winning the championship or, hell, Raikkonen winning the championship, there's people that are betting on that that stuff. Yeah, probably. I do need to apologize. I have been a bit under the weather from the travels about, um, so if you're having trouble with my voice, I'm sorry. You You've just had a round of bad luck on your travels and we're not going to dig into them but it yeah i had some good luck last week you, you had some but over i mean you're, you're sick from your travels so there you i go. am sick and i i am very angry with whoever shared sharing is not caring people well sometimes it is not when it's this bug okay but it's been a fast moving bug so let's you know be joyful about that part so Next up is some, I think they're kind of cool plans, although as as I look at this picture that came with this article, and the more I see it, the more I'm like, whoever drew this doesn't really know how Silverstone is laid out and how this would even work. Excellent. So what was announced is um, Silverstone has reached a deal for a new hotel to be built at the circuit, which will overlook the start-finish straight. At, and and the pits at the track. Okay. Um, track side, kind of similar to what we see over in uh, Abu Dhabi, but I think a better positioning because this is on the start-finish track, or, or the start-finish straight. The grandstand for the start-finish will be in front of the hotel, but low enough so that if you're staying in one of the guest rooms that's facing start-finish straight and have a balcony or just a window you can overlook the track and the action on the track in your hotel room. There will also be a bridge connecting the hotel to the um, to the pit lanes and the paddock. Oh, that's nice. Specifically to the Silverstone Wing pit building. And also, should you happen to be a Hilton Honors member, it's going to be a Hilton Garnet. Even better. <laughs> So it'll be a 197-room facility that is expected to open in 2020. Okay. Now, the picture that I'm looking at here, so it, it's a representative illustration of the hotel alongside the, the track on the start-finish straight, and, of course, what's supposed to be across from it is the pit lane. So they've got this image of the hotel there and the track in front of it and a car, which is a McLaren, because Hilton is a sponsor of McLaren, and then it, it's a McLaren running along the track with a set of striping like curbing as if it was coming in on the pit entrance. And then the main track with a couple of other cars going by side by side. The problem is here is that the pit, if this was a representative image and the, there was a car on the pit exit, it should be on the other side of the track, not on the same side as the hotel. <laughs> Okay. And not a great image. 
It's to represent how cool this is going to be. It's not built yet. There you go. They can't take a picture. So coming into the Singapore Grand Prix, (coughs) and I could play the sound as much as I wanted to, but I've got better sound for this. Okay. Okay. So coming into the Singapore Grand Prix, we got the official word that Kimi Raikkonen will be departing Ferrari at the end of the season and has signed a two-year deal over at Sauber. And I think that's kind of key because every deal he's had at Ferrari since he moved over there has been a one-year deal that they've just been extending. Mm -hmm. This is a two-year contract. So this says to me that this isn't so much that Kimi was pushed out of Ferrari and, and told, you're going to Sauber. He deliberately went to Sauber for a two-year deal. I don't know about that. Well, let's let's hear from Kimmy himself. Well, it's not often that we play clips from Kimmy because he tends to be, well, he tends to say very little. But at the press conference, really, I can't do justice to his comments. Go for it. I guess you know what happened. <laughs> you know? What, 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 what else you want to know? I mean, this is what happened, and uh, I think as as we said many times before, it's not up to me. It's not my decision in the end. Uh, anything after that is obviously my decision. But uh, yeah, uh, this is the outcome. So at least we have an outcome. So so good. At least you have an outcome. You say uh, it wasn't your decision to leave Ferrari, but it was your decision to go back to Sauber. So just talk us through why you're why you're doing that. Why not? Obviously, I have my reasons, and that's enough for me. You know, I don't need to. I don't really care what others uh, think, or you know, as long as I'm happy with my own reasons, it's enough for me. So. And you're still passionate about racing. The fire is still. No, I don't. Like... I'm not actually. You know, I'm just by by uh, pure. Uh, Head games for you guys. I, I happen to sign and I'm going to spend two years there. Just not be happy about that. Yeah, yeah I, I couldn't do justice to that. Not the least of which is there's no way I can do that impassionate dead fish delivery that Kimmy does. Yeah, that's true. I, I, there, there'd be no way I'd be able to read that transcript without injecting actual emotion into that. Okay, so let's let's... Let's dig into what Kimmy has said. Okay. One, he has reminded everyone that it was not his decision to leave Ferrari. Which we we knew, we expected, we figured was going to happen. But everything after that is his decision. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I decided to, to accept the deal that Sauber was offering, is what that translates mm-hmm. to. Um, but my favorite part of this whole thing, are you so passionate about racing? No, I'm passionate about head games with you guys. I'm yeah. going to go spend two years unhappy so that I can get you right now. And in that way, I don't think we've ever heard Kimmy honestly be that sarcastic. Well, it, it's the fact that he can tell a joke and it sounds just like a standard con- I mean, I mean there's so no the the delivery on that one was so deadpan but so very sarcastic yeah I um have to, i have to appreciate that you still got to wonder what, what the plan is here what the heck he was thinking yeah, yeah. i mean I, I get to some extent 
Kimmy is going to go whoever's going to give him a seat because really he just wants to go racing, and it's not really a matter of whether or not he wins or anything else. He just wants to go racing, and that's all that matters to him. But the other piece of that is he did walk away from Lotus when Lotus was doing well, and he did it because he was pissed off. Mm -hmm. But the other thing to think about here is... I think Kimmy wants to go out of Formula One on Kimmy's terms. Yeah. And since he was not given that option at Ferrari, he was being bumped out of Ferrari no matter what. I think that this is the Hail Mary pass of I'm going to go out on my terms. Um, there's a lot of predictions that he's not going to see the end of these two years at Sauber. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. David Cothard and Mark Webber and I think even Eddie Jordan are saying that they don't think he's going to make it through the first year that he's going to make it to the mid-season break and say, see ya. Yeah. I, I don't know why they think that, but... Well, they would have better knowledge than we would have. But I just, I think that this is a play, honestly, about being able to go out on his terms. Yeah. I, I don't think it's the wisest of moves. I'm not sure that I quite understand it, but it's not mine to understand. I've never understood Kimmy to, to start with. So in other driver news, little blast from the past here. It has been announced that Pascal Verline will be leaving the Mercedes program at the end of the year. Now, he was still part of the program, um, but according to Toto Wolf, because the team couldn't offer Pascal a competitive drive for 19, it was decided that both, and, and between the two of them, it was agreed that um, it was in his best interest to leave the Mercedes program at the end of the year. Now, no word on what he's going to do, where he's going to go. I got to kind of wonder whether or not Toro Rosso would take a look at him. Very interesting. I mean, now that he's cut those ties, and everyone keeps saying that that's why they don't want the Mercedes juniors, is because of those Mercedes ties. With those ties cut, would they go for him... Or would they go back to Daniel Kvyat? And we're still hearing that Toro Rosso has an interest in Daniel Kvyat, and they think that his being away from the program has matured him. That'll be interesting. I'm not quite sure what maturity that he didn't have that they saw in Pierre Gasly. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. I don't know. I know that the contracts for Mercedes junior drivers are preventing them from having seats elsewhere, even on a temporary basis. So it could be very good for Pascal. Yeah, I'm hoping we... that by announcing that he's cutting ties was because he had a hot lead on another spot, and maybe we'll get to see him return to the sport. I mean, it does seem very odd to me that, I, I mean, I get that Toro Rosso and Red, the Red Bull organization likes to bring drivers up through their academy. But in this situation where you don't have anybody who's going to be eligible to take at least one of those seats, and Hartley's really, I'm sorry, but he's just being a seat warmer, mm -hmm. and you've got somebody like Verline who's now out on the market, who's a young driver. You've got Van Dorn who's on the market and a young driver. <coughs> yeah, you may be uncomfortable with Ocon's ties to Mercedes, and I get that, and as long as he... He stays with them. You're not going to bring him over. 
but you've got Van Dorn and you've got Verline now who are on the market and probably are going to provide more support for you and more experience and more points than you're going to get out of a Brendan Hartley. Why not? Yeah, I don't understand why you wouldn't avail yourself of that even on a short-term basis until you had your own drivers moving up through the process. Now, Stoffel Van Dorn is looking at other options, though. What is he looking at? He has said that he may he is open to considering a shift to IndyCar if he can't get a seat this year. However, he does caution that Robert Wickens' crash over at Pocono has him a bit concerned. And I he can does imagine. say it, it's a bit less appealing now uh, with that so fresh in everybody's mind. Now, I will say this. If Stoffel goes to IndyCar, we are going to be getting a Stoffel, the Flying Waffle. The, the, the Flying Waffle is unstoppable banner for Mid-Ohio. Oh, we think? will have a flying waffle banner. Oh yes, it is not trademarked, but we will. Do, we we are going to have the banner. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yes, and as you can imagine, we will be stalking him in the pit lane too. Yes. Um, speaking of IndyCar, real quick, while while we're off on that tangent, um, I did hear from Robert and Gary McGinnis over at uh, RKM Racing. Um, they are very excited over their fifth place finish for the season. Um, don't have anything confirmed yet for next year. Um, not sure whether there's going to be uh, a promotion up to lights or he'll be staying with the Pro Mazda series. Certainly the turmoil going on right now in lights has everybody kind of taken a pause to see what's going to go on with that series. Um, you know, the, the, lack of drivers going up into the series right now is a concern to them. Um, he did not get a test in an IndyCar this year. Um, they are keeping an eye on a licensing situation. They want to know what's happening with that. Cool. So as we hear more from from uh, Robert, we will pass it along. Um, so Singapore. The most uneventful race in the calendar. Well... Not really. I mean, there was Monaco. Monaco was much less eventful. There wasn't even a safety car in Monaco. We did have safety car. And Sergio Perez, for some reason, had the red mist decline, and he became a one-man wrecking ball. <laughs> yes, Sergio Perez had a, a, a moment. He, he Hulk smashed a few things. Yeah, not really sure what happened at the start of that race between him and Esteban Ocon, other than the fact that they went – Smashy, smashy. And Sergio has acknowledged that it it was his fault. Um, he didn't realize it was Esteban. He, he apologized for it. He has taken the blame for it. He, he doesn't really quite know what happened there. But then there was the incident much later on with Sergei Sorotkin. Yes. That was really odd. <laughs> that one... Looked for all the world to a lot of folks like it was done in anger. I mean, best way to describe that, that that looked fairly deliberate there. Yep, it did. However, Charlie Whiting says that there was no indication that Perez did it deliberately. 
Well, since his skin didn't turn green and he didn't rip out of his race suit, then it wasn't Hulk smashy, huh? I I guess. You know, he admits, according to Charlie, he'd been try, trying hard to get past Sorotkin, and he looked a little bit frustrated. And I think he misjudged how far he was in front of him because obviously you saw how closely they were racing all the way through turns 14, 15, 16, and 17, and I think he just misjudged it. I just didn't see any reason for him to cut over at that point. Yeah. I mean, even Perez says that, that he misjudged and, and probably closed the door earlier than he should have, but I don't quite understand why there, at, at that point in the track, he needed to cut over. Oh, I'm glad it was listed as a racing incident, but it definitely looked angry. Yeah. So the other issue was much later in the race um, was Roman Grosjean and his, well, he, he was racing with, who was he racing? Oh, he was racing with Sorokin as well. Sorokin, Sorokin was just found himself in play. It, was, was well, it wasn't really his fault. Well, if you are in multiple incidents. <laughs> well, no. I'm I, kidding. Yeah, in, in, in this case, it, th- this was not, uh, th- this was, he, w- he was driving his race, was really all it was. He wasn't precipitating the issues. Just things start, started to happen around it, possibly because the car was so slow. Mm, also possible. He was, he was the roving bottleneck. Um, but Roman Grosjean was racing him and was so absorbed in his race with Sergey that he did not catch any of the blue flags that were being waved at him. The lights were being flashed at him as Lewis Hamilton came flying up upon him on his lead lap and in trying to pass Sergey, blocked Lewis, mm-hmm. which was a big no-no. Yes. Enough of a blocking of Lewis that it allowed Max Verstappen to completely glo- close the gap with him and gave Max an opening to potentially pass Lewis. Now, Max freely admits that even if he had managed to pull off Lewis, there was no way he, he was going to be able to hold Lewis off for to prevent Lewis from retaking the lead. But it gave him an option. Yeah. It gave him the opportunity. I mean, Max said, yeah, there, there was not enough pace in that car for him to have a chance. And even Max said as he came across that situation and he saw it, he, he was like, yeah, this is going to go bad. Um, <laughs> this is not a good thing. Um, well, Charlie Whiting said that Grosjean's move was one of the worst cases of ignoring blue flags he's seen. Oh, my. Yeah. So as a result of this, um, Roman got enough penalty points that he is now three points away from a full race ban. Uh-oh. Yeah. And considering the last driver to get a race ban was Roman, <laughs> this isn't a good thing for him. And let me guess, Gene Haas is completely behind his driver and supportive of him. Haas hasn't said said a whole lot about it. Um, Now, what Charlie says about the incident is that he says, Roman just completely forgot the golden rule of blue flags, and that's if you're in a battle, you've got to forget your own battle and move over. I've drilled that into them many times. I think he completely forgot about it. He was so intent on his battle with Sorokin that he just didn't, the light panels were flashing with his race number on them. Lewis was much faster. It was probably one of the worst cases of ignoring blue flags that I've seen for a long time. Mm-hmm. 
Now, while he was on the topic of blue flags, he decided to address Valtteri's complaints over Nico Hulkenberg. And Valtteri was rather upset over the fact that he could not get blue flags waved on Nico and, as, and could not pass Nico. Well, the problem was is that Valtteri also couldn't get close enough to trigger the flags. So the requirement is that you have to be within 1.2 seconds of the car in front of you in order to trigger the blue flags. Now, that number was shortened because apparently it was previously 1.6, but this year they shortened it. Valtteri's argument is on a track like this, it's harder to close up that yeah. distance. But the thing is, you've still got to be able to close in and pass the car in front of you, and Valtteri wasn't doing that. It's not to, to fully make your life easier. It's to make your life a little easier, but not to fully make your life a little easier. Well, yeah, I think Valtteri's other complaint is that these cars are so aero-dependent that on a track like this and in the conditions that they are, to get within that is really, really difficult. Yeah, the problem with that, though, is— Other people were. Yeah. That, yeah, I understand. It, including with Hulkenberg. I mean, there, there were other folks that had triggered a blue flag with, with Nico— so just because Haas couldn't, yeah. Or Valtteri. Or, or Valtteri couldn't. Sorry, I clicked over to the next story, which was about Haas. Okay. Um, we know that uh, there is still the disqualification standing for Roman's car, and Roman's car only, uh, after Monza. Mm -hmm. Now, the hearing for that is set for, I believe, early October. It's either early October or, or excuse me, Early November or late October. Okay. Uh, I don't have the exact date because for some reason, nobody published that. They don't want protests outside well, the courthouse. Well, it, it was mentioned during the race coverage, but nobody published a story saying, hey, the date's been set. So I don't have it handy. However, according to Gunther Steiner, he says that there was a gentleman's agreement between the teams regarding the state of the floor and the fact that Haas was getting it fixed and working on it, but hadn't gotten it done. He claims that Renault broke the gentleman's agreement by making this protest. How dare they? They didn't act like a gentleman when the race was on the line and their standings was on the line. Yeah. So, now, the, he also goes on to say that, you know, we, we beat the Force Indias and Force India didn't protest. Yeah, but you didn't move up on them. In the standings, I mean, this is this is championship points here. That's the diff well, at stake. There's that. There's also the fact that, given the prize money situation, Force India wants all the support that they can. So really, picking a fight with Haas probably wouldn't have been in their best interest to begin with. Right. But yeah, that that that's what Gunther has to say as well. You know, Force India didn't do it. Oh, we so we should we all be them. like, we should all be like Force India. Well, maybe not completely. I mean, you you really don't want your your uh, team owner to be indicted on charges and have warrants out for his arrest and being stuck in a house the only place that he's at safe haven because if he walks out he's going to get arrested well yes just saying but he's not their owner anymore yeah which illustrates the odd treatment that force india is getting right now so in the lead up to the singapore grand prix um, I think it was in free practice two or free practice three. Um, there was an unsafe release that occurred between um, 
force India where he uh, they had had Esteban Ocon uh, trying to lay down some rubber and do a burnout in the pit lane to just, so they can get more traction in the pit lane, in, in the pit box in specific. But in doing that, he came really, really, it was free practice three, really, really close to hitting another car. And I think it was one of the Renaults he almost hit. Um, it was very clearly an unsafe release. The problem was, and, and the team got fined um, 15,000, actually they, the team was fined 5,000 euros for doing this. The problem was, this is the third unsafe release that Force India has had. The last time it occurred um, was at the French Grand Prix. They received a 15,000 euro fine plus a further 85,000 euros that was suspended when Sir, uh, for 12 months when Sergio Perez was released with a loose wheel. Right. They avoided the suspended fine. By changing owners. Correct. Figure that one out. So they forfeited all their points because they're a new team. They managed to miss out on an 85,000 euro fine because they're a new team. But they kept the old team's prize money. Yeah. How does that work? It's called Formula One math. It's completely yeah. different than normal math. <laughs> Don't try to understand it. Yeah. I, I, I got nothing else there. Do we have anything else? We, we do. We have Lewis Hamilton, who's now playing head games. I am so not surprised by this. So as a result of... This and and I gotta wonder. Looking at the results of this weekend, a we're seeing Sebastian Vettel get really sloppier at this point, mm -hmm. and and at a point in the season where he can't afford to get sloppy, in a situation where he can't afford to get sloppy, he's getting sloppy. We we know he can drive cleanly and he can drive well and he can throw championship drives in there. He's not really doing that all of a sudden. But you also have. What we have seen for the last several years clearly start to take place over at Ferrari, and that appears to be that post-mid-season dissolving of the team. Meltdown. I don't want to call it a full-on meltdown. We haven't had Slow blown ooze. We haven't had blown engines yet. We haven't had <coughs> the incidents of last year. It, it hasn't complete. The, the wheels haven't completely fallen off yet. But, but they're really some, loose. There were some bad strategy calls that happened this year. Well, Lewis, seeing a, a window here, and, and knowing he can play head games with drivers, he has come out and said that he is proud that he is avoiding Sebastian Vettel-like errors. So he was asked whether or not he lucked into the results that occurred at Singapore, knowing that this is what they call a bogey track for the team. They, they, they've, they've struggled. They've struggled, but we're going to have to start changing that because they've won the last two years. Well, th that's the thing. I, mean, I, I think the, the best way to describe it is it's been a struggle for them. Yes, they, they've walked away with some decent overall results coming out of Singapore, not just the last two years, but the last five years in general. But they have not been as easy as, say, a win in Monza or something like that. Sure. So, but, so Lewis was responding to the question about whether or not they lucked in with saying, I don't look at it and think we've lucked in. 
When Vettel hit the wall the other day, damaged the car and lost running on the track, that's not us looking, lucking in. I take a lot of pride in not putting myself in those positions. I know my team is relying on me, just as his team is relying on him. There's a lot of pressure on us drivers. It's only small percentages that you get wrong, and they have bigger ramifications. As a team, we honestly don't waste any time wondering what they're doing, or if they're feeling pressure, or if they're feeling happy or unhappy. There's nothing we can do about them. All we can do is be the best we can over a weekend. And I believe after that question, he followed it up with. <laughs> <laughs> Seb was in the corner going, you're rubber and I'm glue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, yeah. These are these are Lewis head games. Um, you Possibly know, it's really after no... the end of that press conference, he raised his hand and said, Mr. Whiting, Mr. Whiting, you forgot to give us homework this weekend. <laughs> But it's no different than Toto a couple of months ago going, the way Ferrari's going to lose this championship is these little mistakes. And he, he's right. He's 100% They're 100% right about, right about that. Um, just like the, the way Mercedes is going to lose this championship is every time if they can't figure out how to make the right strategy calls when they're put under pressure. Right. We've continued to see it the last couple of years when there is – significant pressure put on Mercedes, there's a fairly good chance they're going to screw up the call. Yeah. And they've done it several times. They don't do it all the time. But they're more likely to screw up that strategy call when they're under pressure. Right. And I don't think they're off the hook yet. Oh, they're not. 40 points is not a done deal yet. But we're at what? Six races left in the season? Japan, U.S., Mexico... Russia, um, Russia, and uh, Brazil and Abu Dhabi. Yeah, yeah. I know what what what's throwing you there is that we're so used to going from Singapore to Japan, and now we're going to Russia, and it's like, wait, no, Russia has that's... never fit well into the series because they keep bouncing it around as to where it needs to go. I think it makes better sense for it to be this time of year than to have. Um, Azerbaijan between Montreal, or yeah, between Montreal and Austria. Oh, yeah, there's that <laughs> one. And there's some unusual odd races in the, the pack. Do we have any more news? That is all we have. Outstanding. Um, we are still going to be podcasting next week. We're not taking another week off, are we? Not unless something weird happens with our schedule. Our weekends are getting tight. They are. They are definitely getting tight. So we appreciate everybody's patience as we sort out our new scheduling issues. Um, I don't think that we have anything else housekeeping-wise to report. So with that, we will call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. <laughs> a little break? Okay.